So we are in part three of our family series called The Future of the Family. It has been a great, great series. It's been challenging for me as a, as a husband, as a parent, and just been such good all around. And so we're excited to be bringing you part three of The Future of the Family. Like I said earlier, my name is Pastor Jonathan. We're the campus pastors over in Mansfield. A great work that is happening there. Yeah, so awesome, so amazing. I was telling first service, uh, uh, it, it, we're replicating DNA is really is what we're doing. We, we've taken, it's amazing how, how doctors have figured out how to grow like a new liver. They take a slice of a healthy liver, they put it in a dish, they put it in some kind of fancy microwave, and then it comes out, and then like, like in like three months, you got another liver, right? And that's what we're doing. We're taking a slice of Church on the Hill's DNA, and we've transplanted it to Mansfield. We're putting it in an environment where it can grow, where we can, where we can see it blossom and flourish, and in a few months' time, hopefully it's not like six, nine, 12 months, a year, three years, nothing like that. Hopefully it's a little bit sooner, right? But we'll see something amazing happen there. Because let me tell you something, we, we are doing something that's different. We're not doing anything that's better than anybody else. We're not, we, we don't have some secret sauce that no one else has. Let me tell you something, the Lord is doing something different at Church on the Hill. When we first started it, I, I asked the Lord, I said, why in the world do you need another church in the Mansfield area? He said, if, if I didn't need you, I wouldn't have called you. And so we said, okay, well then Lord, I, I, we'll, we'll pastor it, we'll do it. And and it's going to be awesome. But the Lord is looking for a multicultural, multi-generational church in Mansfield. Come on. What we have here in Cedar Hill is so beautiful. It's so amazing. And that's what the Lord is doing there. So we've taken a little bit of our DNA. We've transplanted it to to Mansfield. And we're watching it grow. And so Pastor Adam sends his love. We were just texting and asked him how it went over there. He said, it's amazing. The people over here are awesome. And I said, that's right. They are great. But not as good as people here in Cedar Hill, right? And so, yeah, come on. Come on, man. We love you guys so very much. It's so exciting to be with you. But as we are in part three of Future of the Family, we're going to be talking about building our families. Talking about building our families. Let me tell you something. Good, healthy families don't happen by accident. Good and healthy families don't happen. Just like you don't happen being good and healthy by accident, you don't roll into Whataburger, get the number one with, you know, no onions, extra cheese, more bacon, right? And then expect all of a sudden to be healthy at the end of it. No, you have to be very intentional of how you do things. Come on, it's the same thing with our family. You can't expect it to happen by accident. We have to be very intentional with, healthy, with having and building healthy families. So as we're reading, we're going to open with this right here. A married couple was celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. That's a long time to be married. At the party, everybody wanted to know one thing. They wanted to know how they managed to stay married so long in this day and age. So they asked the question, and the husband stood up, and he addressed everybody at their 60th wedding anniversary. He addressed them all. He said, you all wanted to know how we've stayed married 60 years. He said, at the beginning of our marriage, we established this one thing. At the beginning of the marriage, before we established anything else, we established this one thing. And it's been the thing that we believe has carried us these 60 years. He said, when we got married, we said this right here. He said, I'll make all the major decisions in our family, and you make all the minor decisions. And he said, let me tell you something. In 60 years of our marriage, we have never had to make a major decision. Right? So... Come on, if you let your wife make all the decisions, you'll have a happy, healthy family. Come on, man. 60 years of marriage wisdom. I said, you know what? We ain't making no major decisions, baby. It's all you. Minor decisions all the way, right? But but it's kind of funny. But let me tell you something. As we laugh at that, there is something about that wisdom. 
If you've got people that have been there for 60 years doing marriage, they've got something that we can glean from. They've got something we can look at and say, oh, my gosh, how in the world have you done it? There's people in here that, are, that, are, that got kids that are three and four years old. They've got wisdom that can help you, you know, who has a newborn or, or someone that's just married. There's always somebody a little further ahead that we can always look to and glean wisdom from. And as we're talking about building our families, talking about securing something that's amazing as we're building it for, for the future, we're going to get our key scripture out of this right here. Out of uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. And if you don't remember anything else this morning, remember this key scripture. It says this right here. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn, it, she has hewn out its seven pillars. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn it out its seven pillars. It's talking about wisdom here. It's saying wisdom isn't something that just happens. Wisdom is something that's built. Wisdom is something that's sought after. That word hewn right there is a word that shows industriousness. Something that shows that there was some action taken in order to make it happen. It it wasn't something that happened by accident. It wasn't something that they stumbled upon. It wasn't something that they went down to Home Depot and they bought that was mass produced. No, 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 no. They said that they hewn it out of wisdom. That it was something that cost. It was something that didn't come without labor. It was something that, 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 let me tell you, I guarantee had sacrifice in it. Something that you look down at the end of the day and you look at your hands and they're calloused and they're bleeding a little bit. But at the end of it all, when you looked at those seven pillars and they were hewn out of wisdom, they were beautiful. As Solomon is writing this, the man who had, who had wisdom beyond his years, the, the man that was known for his wisdom, as he's writing this, he's saying wisdom was hewn out. She, she hewn out wisdom. Out of its seven pillars. There's nothing special or magical about that word seven, but in, in the number seven, excuse me, but in biblical time, the seven in the Bible, it really kind of stands for the number of completion. So we believe that there are about seven principles that we can go on here that, that, that are, you know, setting the pace for wisdom, setting the pace for that. Seven also, seven pillars also meant a very prosperous house. As it would look at that house and there were seven pillars in it. Like, wow, that is such a prosperous person. Wow, look at that beauty. It would marvel at those things. We want to have families that people look at and say, oh, my gosh, look how beautiful that is. Oh, my gosh, look how amazing that marriage is. Look, oh, my gosh, look, look, at, look at how they interact together as families. That's what we want to be. That's what we want. And so in order to do that, the foundation of what we do has to be solid and has to be secured. We live in, in, in Grand Prairie, just on the other side of the lake. And, and one of the most sought-after subdivisions in this whole area is the subdivision of Lake Ridge, right? From beautiful homes, nice big plots. But when, when Lake Ridge was developed, it was developed out of what happened in Joe Pool Lake. As the Corps of Engineers came and they excavated a lot of that dirt out of there in order to build Joe Pool Lake. And so they, they, they scooted all that dirt around over there, and, they, and then someone said, I'll buy it, and they bought it, and they made a subdivision out of it. And so that, that soil that they had and they pushed around there is a, little, is a little difficult to work on and build with. As Pastor Adam, a, a few years ago, a number of years ago, was looking at buying a house during the economic downturn, I mean, it was crazy because Lake Ridge houses were going for so cheap. They, they, when, the, when the economy crashed, there was contractors in the middle of building houses that could no longer pay for it, so they'd set them on fire. It was crazy. And so people were just trying to shed these homes and get rid of them. 
And so we were, we were walking around one of the houses with Pastor Adam that they were looking at, and we walked in this house, and, and I never seen anything like it. There was a, a crack down the middle of the living room that was so wide, he could put his fist down in it. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened here? It's because the soil there in Lake Ridge, it, it was kind of, you know, as they moved it out of the lake, it, w- it was a little shifty. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a little crazy. So what happens is a contractor has to go the extra mile and dig down a little deeper. It's got to put a little bit of extra effort into it in order to make sure that the beautiful house that they're building on it, that the amazing house, the gorgeous house that they're building on it, has a foundation that will last in order to sustain it. That's the same thing with us. If we're going to build our families on something, it can't be something that's shifty. It can't be built on a fad. It can't be built on a trend. It's got to be built on something that will never shift, that will never move, that will never falter, that will never fail. It's got to be built on the Word of God. And guess what? It takes a little more effort, and it's a little harder. But let me tell you something. When everybody else's houses are falling apart, they're looking at yours and saying, what did you do different? What did you do different? Well, the difference between mine and yours is what mine is built on ain't going nowhere. What you built yours on is just shifting all over the place. And so we're reminded in Luke chapter 6 right here, verses 47 through 49. And this is as Jesus is talking. This is what he says right here in verse 47. He says, I will show you what he is like. He who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house and could not shake it because it was well, it was well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Come on, we need to be men and women. We need to be fathers. We need to be moms. We need to be uncles and aunts. We need to be single people. We need to be recently married people who are building a foundation. Come on, who are building a foundation in which our family legacy can be built upon. We need, to be, we need to be going down deep, digging down and going after the God, going after the things of God, building our families upon that solid foundation. Because let me tell you something, you're not building your family just for the four or five of you. You're building your family for, for your grandkids and for their grandkids and for their grandkids. You're building a family. You're building a legacy. That's, you're going to have a godly family legacy. And in order to do that, we need to have a foundation that can sustain it. Come on, we, have, we need to have a foundation that can sustain those things. It doesn't matter what you put on the walls. It doesn't matter any of those things. Let me tell you something. When a tornado hits the house and destroys it all, What's standing? The foundation. When a fire comes through and destroys everything, the only thing that's left is the foundation. That's the one thing that will never falter. That's the one thing that will never shift. That's the one thing that will never change. We need to be building our foundations. Come on, as families going after God, we need to build them on the things of God. I believe there are seven things. As we talked about the seven pillars of wisdom. I believe there are seven things that we need to be doing to build family pillars. So if you've got your notes, take them out and turn them on, whatever you need to be doing. But there are seven things that we need to be building our families on, the seven family pillars. And the first one is this right here. is Jesus first. We need to be putting Jesus first. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let's read this right here out of Matthew 23, 27. It says, Jesus replied... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You say, well, how in the world, how how, how does that practically apply everywhere? 
How does that pray? How does love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Sometimes you need your mind to do your work, right? Well, Lord, I can't, I can't be thinking about you right now. I've got to be thinking about how I'm going to get this Amazon package to where it needs to go, right? So I can't, I can't do that. But, but he's saying, how do you do that? How, how do you begin to do that? How do you begin to put God first? How do you begin to do Jesus first? As you're building this pillar out for your family, how do you begin to do Jesus first? Well, I, I think one of the practical ways is put Jesus first in your finances. Come on, in, in a practical thing, Jesus first in your finances. And, and, and let me tell you something. As we talked about before, as a lady hewned out pillars of wisdom for her house, it was something that was hard, it was something that was difficult, and it was something that had to, ha- it took time, right? So let me tell you something, I'm not saying we're going to jump into all seven of these things, but let me tell you something, at the end of it all, all seven of these things are worth it. And they're going to take some work, and they're going to take some effort, and, and let me tell you, there's going to be some sacrifice that goes into it. And some might be easier from others, and some you may be doing, but let me tell you something, if we're going to put Jesus first, for some of us, it's going to be a stretch. For all of us, it should be a stretch, as we're putting Jesus first, and we're getting out of our comfort zone, as we're stepping out a little bit more. So it might be in your finances. You might say, oh my gosh, that's so scary. That's so difficult. We're barely making it. Let me tell you something. Me, me and my wife, in, in, the, in the little bit that we've got, we give. That's the first thing that we do. Why? Because not because the preacher tells us so, not because, because that's biblical. Because it says, bring your first fruits. You'll be blessed. And let me tell you something. We've seen the blessing of the Lord in our household. Come on, how about in your marriage? Put Jesus first in your marriage. As you show up, you're treating your wife as Christ loved the church. Come on, we're not putting her down. You're not, you're not belittling her. You're not doing anything like that. But you're putting her, as you're doing that, you're putting Jesus first in those small things in your marriage. Come on, so as we're doing those things, we're telling our kids, come on, Jesus first. Every morning, Jesus first. Jesus first. I love you. Have a good day at school. Remember, Jesus first. Come on, hey, babe, hey, babe, I'm, I'm going to be late, home late for, for dinner, so don't, don't worry about uh, making me something. Just leave something out. Put it in the microwave when I get home. Let me tell you something. I love you so much. Remember, baby, Jesus first. Come on, we just need to be doing that every day, every day. As we're hewing out these pillars of wisdom, as, as we're building these things, come on, it, it's going to be a stretch, but we got to put Jesus first. That's first and foremost. This is what A.W. Tozer said right here. He said, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved at once. Come on, let's read it again. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved at once. Come on, we need to be putting Jesus first. There's those thousand problems that we have stacking up in our lives. Man, the moment we begin to put Jesus first, man, all of those things begin to take care of themselves. Come on, we need to be putting Jesus first. The second thing is this right here, is we got to secure God's promises. Secure God's promises. Uh, purposes, excuse me, I'm sorry. Secure God's purposes. It's a whole different message, right? And so secure God's purposes. You gotta understand why you were made. Why did God make you? Why, why, why did God give you the kids that, that you've got? Why did God give you the wife that you have? Come on, you gotta begin to secure God's purposes on your life. The moment you begin to know purpose, everything shifts, everything changes. You may say, well, well, I don't exactly know my purpose. I don't exactly know my, my giftings, my calling, things like that. Let me tell you something. We have an amazing opportunity coming up for you. It's called the Grow Track. 
You can sign up for that. Sign up for the Grow Check. It's awesome. In that, we do a, a personality profile test. Figure out what your personality's like, what, what, how you think, you know, the, the, how you react in certain situations. We have all of that. You can take a test. We have a spiritual giftings test. See what your, what your gift to the body is. All of those things. We can find out what your purpose is, how you can serve the body of Church in the Hill right here. Begin to define some purpose in your life. The moment you don't have purpose, let me tell you something. Anything will get you where you're going. Anything will. So we need to begin to secure God's purpose on our lives. Right out of high school, my dad was telling me I needed to get a job. And I was like, absolutely, I need to get a job. Well, I was in high school. I, I, I was crazy. I was, I was a partier, all of those things. I really didn't want to serve God at all. My senior year in high school, I mean, God got a hold of me. I grew up in church, all of those things, didn't want to serve God. Senior in high school, God got a hold of me, wrecked my life, changed everything about me. As I was graduating high school, in high school, my dad said, as long as you're making A's or B's, that's your job. The moment your grades start dipping, you need to get a job because obviously you don't care about school and you want to go do something else, so go do that. But if you're making A's and B's, don't worry about getting a job right now, man. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you for a little bit. I said, all right. I would do stuff around the house. He'd give me extra money for it. But, but that was my job was to, to graduate high school, make good grades. As I got out of high school, my dad said, all right, you need to go get a job. And I said, no problem. I knew God was, was, was calling me. He was pulling on me. Everything about me was shifting and changing. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was all just, it was all shifting. They didn't know what to do with me. Like, what the heck is happening to you? And so, so. My dad was telling me, you need to get a job. You need to get a job. I said, absolutely, Dad. I will get a job. I said, but I, I can't work Monday nights. I can't work Wednesday nights, and I won't work Sundays. He's like, well, no one's going to give you a job like that. He said, why do, why do you need to do those things? I said, well, Dad, Monday, I've, I've got a small group, and we've got, we've got band rehearsal. I can't miss. Wednesday night, we've got church, Dad. I will not miss. And Sunday, you know, we've got church. I said, I, I won't miss for those things. He said, well, no one's going to give you a job. You need to get a job. And I said, Dad, okay, I, I'll, I'll find something. The Lord will provide but let me tell you something. I, I knew God was calling me. I knew he was, he was leading me out. He was putting purpose in me. He was shifting everything about me. I felt the call more and more to serve. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you have to do something. Because either I'm crazy and, and I'm, I'm hearing something funny, or you have to come through. Or you have to come through. Two weeks after that conversation I had with my dad, I called my dad and said, Dad, I got a job that fits my schedule perfectly. It pays me more money than I, if I was working all those days. Dad, God did it. And let me tell you, as I begin to secure God's purpose on my life, he began to pour out more and more and more. And let me tell you something. It wasn't because I'm special. I'm gifted. None of those things. Let me tell you something. It was because I secured God's purpose on my life. I saw it, and I said, you know what? I have to protect this thing. Let me tell you something. Each and every one of you have a purpose for your lives. Each and every one of you are called to do something amazing for God. It might not be, it might not be preaching on a stage to 100,000 people. It might not be, you, you know, moving to Haiti and selling everything you've got. But let me tell you something. It might be ministering to that guy in the cubicle right behind you who's beating his wife. Come on, it might be, it might be just, just telling him a little bit about Jesus, just living your life in a way that he says, you know what, there's something different about that man. And he gives his life to Jesus, and let me tell you something, it shifts the trajectory of his life. And let me tell you something, his kids begin to serve God. And let me tell you something, the purpose that you had was God said, I need you to win Bill for me so that we can change the trajectory of Bill's family so that it can go this way. Let me tell you something, each and every one of you have a purpose of God on your life. But we have to secure those things. Man, it's after, everything is after those things. Social media is after it saying, what you've got isn't enough. You need this. You need more. You need this. You need that. 
Come on, we can't get caught up in the, I wake up in the morning, I go to work, I come back home, I, I take a shower, eat dinner, watch some TV, go to bed. Five days a week, and on the weekends, I, I live for the weekend, we hang out on the weekend, and then I dread going to work on Monday. And then I'm looking forward to my week vacation in July, and then I hate it all over again. Come on, let me tell you something. God's got so much more for you than that. We need to begin to secure God's purposes on our lives. The third thing is this right here. We need to be seeking out wisdom. We need to be seeking out wisdom. You see, you know why I spank my kids? You know why I do that? Not because my kids are evil. Not because my kids are crazy. I love my kids so much. They're so amazing. But I spank them because there's biblical wisdom that comes out of that. As it says right here in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, it says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die, right? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Let me tell you something. I don't, I don't spank my kids because I enjoy it. I don't spank my kids because Myrna and I had a little argument and I'm just like, I want to take it out of them. I don't do that at all. I spank my kids because when I tell them, hey, we're going to get together for dinner and we're going to go hang out and we're bringing the kids, I don't want them rolling their eyes and saying, oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't want them calling me in an hour and a half saying, hey, bro, look, uh, something came up. I got to clean my dryer out because it got so much lint in it and we can't, we can't go to dinner with you guys anymore. I'm sorry. I don't want that. I want, when, I, when, I call, when my kids come to dinner, I want, my, I want people to enjoy being around my kids. I want people to come around and say, Me, your kids are well-behaved. We were able to have a great dinner, and your, your kids were, were awesome. That, that's what I want. I want my kids to be a joy to be around. I believe my kids are ministering with Myrna and I just like we're ministering. Come on, I, I, we're doing this as a family and as a team. And so I sought out, I, we seek out wisdom. And, and biblical wisdom is to discipline the kids. I, I don't do it out of anger. I don't do it out of any of those things. And I sit with my son. I say, hey, buddy, look. I sit with my daughter. I say, hey, baby, look. I love you so much. Daddy loves you so much. But I'm doing this so that when you're older, man, it's not a bigger issue. I'm doing this because we got to work these things out of you now. Because if we let this go, it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to grow. When Myrna and I, when, when, we, when we were pregnant, I mean, when Myrna, I wasn't pregnant. Myrna was pregnant. When Myrna was pregnant with, with, our, with our first daughter, Anaya, um, we, we, would, we would read baby-wise books, right? And when I say we, I read like a chapter and a half. I won't take any credit. Myrna read the baby-wise books. And there was all sorts of great wisdom in that book, but there was all sorts of stuff in there that we didn't like. There was all sorts of stuff in there that we didn't like. So we took the good with the bad, and we, we, we kept the good and threw out the bad. Everybody's got an opinion. Let me tell you something. Everybody's got an opinion on what you should do. Everybody's got an opinion on what you should do. But let me tell you something. We, we said, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna seek out some wisdom here because there's obviously some people that have figured it out. There's some people a little bit further along than we are. We saw our YouTube videos, babies crying like crazy, YouTube, how to fix it, right? And so we, we were like, all right, look, you know, dub them upside down and tap them on the back. You know what I'm saying? Like all sorts of stuff like, I don't know. But, but it's amazing how, how we'll take wisdom sometimes. It's amazing how we think we can get it all figured out. We, but in the midst, in the throes of it, it all changes. It all changes. When we, when we had Anaya, she was about six months old. We were at a, at a missions conference, and we were ministering at the missions conference, Myrna and I. And Anaya wouldn't go to sleep. She would just cry and cry and cry. And so we had said one thing as parents, we won't give pacifiers to our kids. Won't do it. Right? And so everybody would be like, oh, you want to do a pacifier? We're like, nope, we ain't that. Nope, not that at all. Right? And so Anaya is crying 
these nights. I was like, oh my gosh. And we're getting about an hour and a half of sleep, right? And so we're like, oh my word, Anaya will not go to bed. My friend says, hey, you should try a pacifier. I said, hey, no, right? And so that ain't going to happen. Nope. We decided as a family, we ain't doing that, right? And so I was like, you're going to learn today, right? And so I was like, second day, she's crying. <laughs> hour and a half. I mean, we're getting like an hour and a half, two hours of sleep, waking up like zombies. Like, oh my gosh, what is wrong? I said, hey, you should do the pacifier. Dunt told you, no pacifiers. And so I was like, third day, no sleep. I said, give me that pacifier, right? So I was like, <laughs> gave it to an eye. Got eight hours, solid eight hours, like, done deal. Pacifiers from the Lord, right? So I was like, yes. Another thing we also said we wouldn't do is like, hey, look, 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 look. We ain't going to put our kids in front of the TV. No way. No way. First date night we ain't had in like nine, ten months, we said, we're going out. And we're bringing a child, right? It's like, give her Netflix, right? And so let me tell you something. Myrna and I had some great dinners when my kids watch Netflix on our unlimited data plan on our phone, right? like, yes, but they're learning. They're like watching Bob the Builder. They're watching like, you know, Octonauts. Why in the world would I hold education away from my children? (laughs) Why would I do that? Why would I withhold you from learning? Daniel Tiger will teach you how to go TT and wash your hands. Why would I withhold that from you? Come on. But let me tell you something, man, wisdom in, in the midst of it all, it can change. We can say we would do this, but let me tell you something. When you get into it and you have no idea what to do, we need to seek that out. We need to be seeking out wisdom. And when you, and when you ask for wisdom, you need to be willing to receive wisdom. Come on, because a lot of times we ask just because our wife told us to ask. You know, but no, 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 let me tell you something. When you ask, you need to be ready to receive that. You need to be willing to receive that wisdom. The fourth pillar that we need to be doing right here is this right here. Is we need to go through hardships. That's tough. But we have to go through hardships. We have to do those things. We have to go through hardships. This is what it says right here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that maybe one day if the devil finds you, or the day of evil, you may be able to stand your ground. It doesn't say that at all. It says, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say if you don't tithe or if you don't do this or you don't do that. If you don't have a small group, the devil will come get you. No, it doesn't say those things. It doesn't say those things. It says that when the day of evil comes, just put on the full armor of God. It doesn't say polish it up and put it in the closet because you're a blessed Christian and nothing will ever get you. No way. It says that when the day of evil comes, put on the full armor of God because it's coming. It is coming. But let me tell you something. We have to go through those hardships. Why? Because, I mean, we learn so much in the midst of them. We learn so much in the midst of those hardships. Come on, when, when Myrna and I got together and we got married, I was developed as I could be, much more developed than my wife when we got together, right? I worked stuff out of me as a single man, and, and we got together, and I was like, Myrna, you didn't work as hard as I did. She's mad at me. Look, I'm going to go through a hardship after second service, right? She just gave me the hardship eyes. Like, it's about to be rough. You just wait, right? And so I was like, oh, man. But we got together. It was awesome. We got married. We had a honeymoon. And it ended. Like, three days after the honeymoon, conflict, right? And I was like, what is happening here? 
What happened to the person I married? You were, you were nice like seven days ago. What happened to you? What is going on here? And we started going through conflict. In the midst of it, we hit hardship. In the midst of it. Well, let me tell you something. None, not one of us decided to quit on it. Not one of us said, no, we ain't doing this no more. No, we said, hey, look, we, we got to understand that there's some, we are both learning in the midst of this. We are both learning in the midst of this. Myrna, when we would have conflict, Myrna would just get quiet, and she wouldn't talk. And for me, I'm like, no, 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 we're talking about this right now because you're going to forget about it. Actually, I'm going to forget what happened. And so, so we got to talk about it right now while I remember. And so, so I would push her, push her, push her, push her, and she would explode and be so mad at me. And then I would forget why, why she was originally mad or what we were originally fighting about because we're picking up all this other junk that we had done stirred up. I was like, oh, Lord. And see, we never get to the issue. So I learned in those moments, I'm going to let her process. I'm going to let her process. And we're going to figure out how we're going to go through hardship together. And I would say, all right, 45 minutes, you've got time to process. I went and wrote down why I was angry so I wouldn't forget. Put it in my pocket because I'm going to forget. Like, why are you mad at me? I'm, man, I don't even mad at you anymore. I don't even know. Let's go get ice cream, right? And so that's, that's just me, though. And so, and so we'd come together for 45 minutes. We'd get together and be like, all right, why are you so upset? Well, it's because you said this or that. I'm sorry. I repent. I didn't mean that. And let me tell you something, we, we worked that through. About nine months of our marriage was crazy. I was like, who are you? Why did I marry you? And then at the end of those nine months, it's like, all right, let's get married again. It's great. But it was awesome. And now here we are 12 years into it with two kids. And when we had kids, it all shifted again. More hardship. It's like, you two are hardships. What's wrong with you? 45 pounds of hardship. Gosh. But let me tell you something, we have to go through those things. We have to go through those things. Why? Because now we've got wisdom in order to counsel other people. Now I know when it gets hard, you can't quit. Now I know when it gets hard, it will get better. I know those things. In the midst of it all, where it looks like it's so dire, there's no fixing it, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I know that if we stick it out, there's an end to it. There's a resolve to it. I learned that in the midst of it all, it's a lot of times it's my pride, my ego. Let me tell you something. We have to be transparent with those things. You can't act like you don't have hardship. You can't act like you're not going through things. You have to be open with those things because the moment you acknowledge it, it's the moment you can fix it. The moment you acknowledge it and say, all right, it is my pride. It is my ego. It is my temper. I do have a temper. You're right. When you say that, that does make me angry. When you do that, it does make me shut down. And let me tell you something, the moment you're open and transparent with it, you can begin to work on it. But let me tell you, we're going to have one of those beautiful pillars in our home. It's going to be like hardship. Yeah, we know how to get through it. We've done it. And look how beautiful we are because of it. This is one, number five, right here. Recruit co-laborers. Recruit co-laborers. We have amazing kids ministry here as co-laborers for you. We have an awesome and amazing junior high minister with Leah and Camilo who do a fantastic job bringing the word of God to those preteens. An amazing job. Come on, our kids team, week in, week out. Anna and and Theo and Gabby and Stephen, an amazing team. We have an awesome youth ministry in Cone McCain who's leading the Ezekiel Project. Amazing, fantastic youth ministry. Come on, we have a, a awesome small groups led by, by Pastor uh, Jack Clark and Pop and Mimi McCain and Nicole Clark. That We have amazing, amazing, amazing small groups. Why? Why do we have those things? So that we can come alongside you and co-labor with you. Come on, we, we have those things because sometimes it's hard to keep going by yourself. Sometimes you need a little bit of extra wisdom. Sometimes you need a little bit of extra insight. I'm so thankful for the kids' ministry, giving my kids memory verses back there. I'm so thankful for how they minister to my precious babies on a Sunday morning. 
My kids don't dread coming to church, but they love coming to church. And I'm so thankful that I've got co-laborers around me who are speaking life into my children, who who are standing for the things of God, who are breathing those things into my children. Let me tell you something. If we're going to be building our families, we need some co-laborers. We need those things. As a youth pastor, it would always always just hurt me so much when a parent would come up to me and say, hey, Joey ain't going to be here next week. I was like, why not? Got caught with pot. I'm like, okay, Joey, don't smoke a pot, dude. What's wrong with you? What's it mine? It's not anybody's. That's right. Everybody always says it's not mine. So it's just anonymous pot, right? I was like, okay, cool. You found anonymous pot. He says, so he ain't going to be here next week because we're punishing him because he enjoys coming here on Wednesday nights. I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you punish him for, for, for enjoying the things of God? I'm sorry that we make youth ministry fun and attractive for you, son, and want to come and learn about the things of God. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry that, 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 that we have great worship, that they want to come and they want to learn about Jesus. I'm so sorry that, that we make it fun. If we made it boring, would he come back? Because he won't enjoy it next week. Next week's going to be boring. Next week will be super boring, right? But it would always break my heart as they would begin to remove those things. Why? Because we've come along as a co-laborer. We've come along and say, hey, look, we've got something that, that, that can help you get along. This is what it says right here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. It says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one there to help him up. Come on, we need to be around people that know when we've fallen. We need people down there that will help, help get us up. We need people around us that know exactly what we're going through. We need to recruit those co-laborers. Your small group, man, my gosh, what an amazing group of people. Small groups mean so much to, to Myrna and I. As that, that was really one of the reasons we got through our, our hardships because of our small group. Because we had people that we were open with. We had people that were co-laboring with us. The sixth one is this right here. As we're talking about the, the pillars of establishing a family. Establish and model your values. Establish and model your values. You say, well, I don't know what my values are. Well, begin to go home this afternoon and talk with your family. And say, what are, some, what are some things that we value as a family? What are some things that, that we say, yes, this is what we believe as a family? And once you establish them, then you need to begin to model them and live them out. It's, it's crazy to have the Constitution, you know, hung on, on courthouses and, and in law offices and all those things. But how, how crazy would it be if we never operated in the Constitution? We just do whatever you wanted to. Well, what, what about what that says? Uh, it's just kind of a thing. You know, it's crazy that, to have those values for your family, but not to model them. Let's take a quick poll real quick. How many of you guys uh, agree that we should have good worship here at church, right? Come on, yes. All right, all right. How many of you guys agree that we should have good preaching here at church? Yes, all right. How many of you guys agree that it's important to have a good kids ministry here at church, right? Okay, great. Now, how many of you guys agree that we should have a great youth ministry here at church? Yes, all right. Now, how many of you agree this right here? The kids ministry is more important than good worship. There's a few, it's kind of like, what? Okay. Now, how many guys, how many guys agree that, that we should have a, an amazing lobby experience over the good, over good word? There's a few people here that say, all right, what, what, how I feel coming on Sunday morning is more important than the content of the message. That's okay. Let me tell you something. We all value the same things. We all value these things. Everybody rose their hands and said, worship's good. Preaching's good. Kids ministry, great. All of these things. But we value in the order in which they go. And that's okay. But that's okay. But we all have to value those things. This is what Pastor Adam says right here. He says, most of us agree on values, but conflict over the order of their importance. 
It doesn't matter. We, we, we agree that that value is important. We just, we just disagree on the value of, of where it goes in our list of our priorities. Let me tell you something. For your family, you need to flesh out what your values are, and then you guys need to model them. And then you need to model them. This is what we've got right here. This is just some Pena family values. As we wrote down, just some things that, that we value as a family. We value real Christianity. We value that, that you should be a Christian, the same Christian you are at church, is the same Christian you are at Walmart, is the same Christian you are at the house, at school, in traffic, is the same Christian. We should, we should be loving Jesus the same no matter where we're at. Jesus is the same in me. He don't love me different out in public than he does in private. He doesn't be like, oh, I love you so much in private. And then in public, he's like, oh, I don't like you at all. Like, he doesn't do that at all. He doesn't do those things. We need, we need to do this right here. We need to value hard work. That's what we do. We value hard work. We value honoring each other and others around us. In my house, they, they, my kids will not speak bad about each other. They will, not, they will not talk down to each other. I don't do that to Myrna. We don't, we don't do that at all. But that's something that we do. We honor each other. We, we are authentic. We value authenticity. We value being real with each other and real with others. Come on, we, we, we don't believe in, in acting a certain way around other people and be like, ah, this person's a jerk. We don't like them. No, heck no. We're going to be the same. We're going to be real around everybody. We value kindness, being nice to each other. We, we value those things. We, we value being nice to each other and being nice to others and showing everybody respect. It doesn't matter their job. It doesn't matter their pay, their position. None of those things. Everybody deserves the same amount of respect. Why? Because everybody was made in the image of God. Come on, we're all Christ's children. We're all God's children. So they deserve that same respect innately because of who they are. We also believe in team play. Come on, we serve and work as a, as a, as a family. Mom and dad aren't pastors. The family is called to the ministry. Come on, that, that's what we believe. We, we get together just, just a couple weeks ago. We did the Mansfield Pickle Parade. In case you don't know what the Mansfield Pickle Parade is, that's okay. I didn't know what it was like six weeks ago. And so it's this giant St. Patrick's Day Parade focused around pickles. And so, because Best Made Pickle Factory was there, it is the most awkward thing. There's just, like, giant pickles everywhere. And, and like, men dressed as pickles. I was like, what is happening here? This is strange. It felt like the Lego movie. You know what I'm saying? It's like, everything's off. I was like, ah, pagan pickles. What is this? But it was crazy. It was, it was so crazy getting out there and serving the community together. We served him, and we woke up early. It was a sacrifice for all of us to get up there and do that. We drove the MOV out there. My kids were, were helping kids get in the MOV and out the MOV, handing them, handing them you know, uh, little bags that we had made up and saying, Church Hill loves you guys. We'd love to see you on Sunday. We did that as a family. Why? Because we play together. We believe in team play. We serve as a family together. This one right here, the last one right here is number seven. Is pace yourself. Pace yourself. Come on, if we're going to have anything worth worth having, worth building, it's going to take some time. Come on, we're, we're building mansions, not sheds. Come on, you're building the model home. You're building, you're, you're building the, the family that everybody wants to, to model theirs after. Come on, we're, we're securing our family lineage that people say, wow, what an amazing family. They all serve Jesus. Wow, they all love each other. Wow, how did you get that? How did you do that? We want, we want to be those families. We want to be those, we, we want to have those families. People say, oh my gosh, how, how, would, how did y'all keep it all together? Well, let me tell you something, one easy. God, man, we went through some hardships. It was, man, that was super hard. You know, we want, to, we want to have those things. But a lot of times, we'll tend to rush it. We'll tend to think we have to have it all right now. 
Let me tell you something. What you are building in your family, what God is doing in your family as a single person, as he's setting you up, as, he's gonna, as you're going to one day have a husband or a wife, and then one day you're going to have kids. He's, he's doing those things in you right now. Pace yourself. It's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. Come on. As you're just freshly married and you don't have kids yet, enjoy the season you're in. Pace yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. You don't have to have the house. You don't have to have the dog. You don't have to have all those things. Just pace yourself. Live where you're at. Come on, if you got kids, live where you're at. Pace yourself. Enjoy them where they are. Because a lot of times what, we're, what we think is that what we've got, what we're building is something that's mass produced. No way, man. What God's doing in each and one of your families is custom built. Let me tell you something. Anything that's custom takes time to make. Come on, you ain't going down to the Home Depot and buying what's needed for your family. These are things that God's custom making for each and every one of you. And as you pace yourself, sometimes we need to set markers and goals so we know how far we've come. There's nothing harder than going somewhere and, 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 and thinking you're making progress without having any way to mark your progress. That's, that's crazy because then you always think you're, you're behind the curve. You always think, oh, my gosh, I'm never making it. I'm never going to get there. But you need to set some, some markers for yourself. Set some goals for yourself. For some of you guys, we, we just wrote some down right here. Maybe dinner twice a week. Set it with your family. And say, all right, dinner, all right we're going to have dinner twice a week. And they say, well, Dad, it ain't going to work. Well, once a week. I'm like, all right. So you set the dinner once a week, and you got five people in your family, and three-fifths showed up. That's okay. That's a win. Like, all right, we got, we got two-fifths to go. right? And you set it up. You said, put it in your calendar for next week. Remember, we're going to do this once a week. And you build up and say, hey, we're having dinner together twice a week as a family. Maybe for you, those of you guys who are, who are married, couples in the morning agree to wake up and pray together. Say, we're going to wake up and pray together. We're going to wake up early, and we're going to pray together. That's what we're going to do. Right? And, and you may have this, this, this grandiose dream that all of a sudden, man, we're going to pray for an hour together before we go to work. It's going to be amazing, and the kids are going to be crying, and it's going to be awesome time of prayer. But I don't know if your bed has the same feature. Mine does. But my bed's got this thing that's called the callback feature, right? As I lay in it, and my alarm starts going off, my bed whispers to me, say, hey, hey, five more minutes. I'm like, bed, no, no, not today, bed. Five more minutes. Come on. I love you. I love you too, bed. All right, five more minutes, bed. And I hit the snooze. Bed be like, I love you so much. I love you too, bed. And then all of a sudden, five more minutes goes by. Bed says, no, 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 no. Don't get it. Five more minutes. I'm like, no, bed. Get, bed, I'm going to be late. It's okay. It's okay. And then bed talks to blankets, and blankets be like, no, 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 I got you, boo. And the blankets wrap me tight. I'm like, oh, no, blankets, not you. And then pillow begins to kick in. Pillow's like, mm. I mean, you know what? I'm already 10 minutes late. Remember my head's sweet and nothing's like, oh, pillow, stop it. And my time, you know what? I'm already 10 minutes late. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate you, bed. I'll be back for you in a minute, bed. It's like, I love you. I don't know if your bed's got that feature, but mine does. And I, I love my bed so much. I'm like, bed, I'll be back for you in eight hours. Be right back for you. Bed is my reward for doing the day. That's my thing. It's like, all right, day, I accomplished you. Bed, reward me. And I lay down, it's like, that's it. And that's it. I love, my, I love my bed. And so for us, waking up early is tough. And so sometimes we set a goal. We're going to pray together as a couple. That's brushing teeth. Mm-hmm. We're praying together. For some of you guys, that may be three minutes before you, you're running so late. You're so mad at them. Where are my shoes? I don't know. And somehow it's their fault for losing your shoes. And so like, I don't know. But in the midst of it, you say, hey, let's just pray together. Jesus, we love you. Bless our marriage. Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm late. Got to go. Right? And so that's okay. Set the goal. Set it. Why? Because if you have a goal, you have something you can work towards. You have something that you, you can make mark progress on. 
Come on, we need to be pacing ourselves. The Lord is going to do something beautiful and amazing in each one of our families. In order to do that, we have to have the foundation set right. Come on, we got to be building our foundation on the solid rock. And then we got to be hewning out these seven pillars. we got to be hewning these things out. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice. But at the end of it all, as we looked at that, that what that meant for that, that house to have those seven pillars, a prosperous family, a blessed family, that's what we desire for all the families here at Church on the Hill, that people will look at you and say, oh, my gosh, look at that blessed family. Oh, look at that prosperous family. That's the kind of family that we want. That's the kind of family we want to build. If you would stand up all across the sanctuary with me this morning. If you would just close your eyes and bow your heads with me just for a moment as we close out. This morning we talked about building the family for our future. Building the future for our families. We talked about these seven things that we believe are essential for securing and building our family. But it's crazy to think that it doesn't matter what we do if we don't build our foundation upon the solid rock. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity right where you're at. With no one looking around, with every eye closed and and every head bowed. If you'd be honest with yourself, you'd be honest with me. You say, Pastor Jonathan, I haven't built my life upon the solid rock that you talk about, about Jesus. And I want to do that this morning. Let me tell you something. I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. To so be honest with yourself, you'd be honest with God, and you'd be honest with me in here this morning. And you say, Pastor Jonathan, I want to build my life upon that rock, and I want to start a relationship with Jesus this morning. If that's you in here this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up right where you're at. I'm not going to make you do anything strange or weird. You say, that's me, Pastor John. Pray for me this morning. I'll give you guys five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. No hand lifted this morning. That's amazing. That means everybody in here is already building their foundation. Jesus Christ. So this is what we want to do this morning. I want to pray that each and every person in here would begin to, to hewn out these pillars for their family. These seven pillars. That they'd begin to establish their families on these things. They'd begin to build and secure the future of their family on those. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and I thank you, Father God, Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us this wisdom, Father God, on how we can can build the future of our families if we would put you first, Father God, if we would just put you first. Lord, as we secure God's purposes and as we seek out wisdom, that, Father God, that you will be with us this morning, Father God. Father God, I pray right now that you're pricking the hearts of those in here this morning, Father God, to establish these things. To understand it's okay. 
If you don't feel like you've got it all together, you just need to start somewhere, somehow. Lord, I pray that this morning, Father, God, be a jump start, Lord Jesus, as families begin to be established on these pillars. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name.